Welcome to Peers Like Me, a podcast hosted by Western New York Independent Living. Today, our guest is Tracy Dudak, a certified peer advocate as well as a whistleblower from Buffalo. Our host is Maura Kelly, the voice of the individuals WNYIL serves. Hi, my name is Maura Kelly. I'm the mental health behavioral peer, li- peer liaison for Western New York Independent Living. And welcome to Peers Like Me podcast. Peers Like Me is a regular updated podcast developed by people who have been severely and personally impacted by mental health issues. For many people in this situation, seeking to be understood and having hope for recovery is often elusive. Peers Like Me podcast aims to address these barriers by educating listeners on all the different ways people can seek help, understanding, and hope through interviewing our guests about their journey of recovery, their community leadership, and successful lives despite their own issues related to mental health. Peers Like Me podcast also envisions increased understanding by our community, neighbors, and coworkers to have each one of us truly be included in our community and hope for recovery and living very fulfilling lives. Today, we are graced uh, to have a special guest with us, Tracy Dudak, Uh, from Buffalo, New York, and she is presenting today, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, uh, Increased Availability, uh, no, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, My Voice as a Whistleblower. Welcome, Tracy, to the Peers Like Me podcast. Tracy has lived experience and has been on our journey of recovery since 2010, uh, when there was a major life uh, occurrence, and she recently completed her certification peer uh, advocate exam. And uh, I met her at a forum, and she talked about she was a whistleblower. So we had to find out more. So welcome, Tracy. So. Hi there, Maura. Thank you so much. I've, I'm so grateful. Thank, thank you, really. I'm truly grateful to be a part of this opportunity and to, you know, be one of the voices for the voiceless. And thank you so much for having this platform yeah. for people to have that, you know, visibility, that that voice to be able to speak up and say, hey, I'm not OK. And I got to get OK. And you got to be OK with right. not being OK. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like one nurse said to me. You shouldn't be yelling. And this is when I was in the hospital. I was like, well, like, and she's like, well, I'm not supposed to get that. It's like, well, you're, you chose this field, you know? So <laughs> it's like, well, we're, I'm not healthy and you chose to work for people that aren't doing well. So is that what you're, so. Right. So let me just turn that off as yeah. if it's something I can, you know, I can control. People don't understand when it's not visible, like something like, um, like a wheelchair. I I have this sort of imagery where I have to imagine my brain is in a wheelchair and my brain can't go up those stairs like a brain that doesn't have the type of handicap that I have. People can understand those of whom that are in a wheelchair by visibly seeing it, but you can't see the brain. Right. It's not tangible. It's not like, it's not like right in front of your face. It's not apparent. Yes, exactly. That's so. that's exactly it. And people don't see it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. And then you don't say, hi, 
my name is Mora. I'm mentally ill, so you know you, you don't have that on your forehead, right? So, <laughs> right. And if you go around saying that, people will go, "Ah, I right, see." Right, right. <laughs> right. So how do we, how do we break that? How do we like, how do we help people understand that judgment should not be part of the conversation, part of the sol- solution? You know. So, I think it really. Um comes down to increasing the visibility and smashing these stigmas, smashing these negative connotations. I've heard once in um in a meeting before where somebody's talked about brain health as opposed to mental health because mm-hmm. the word mental in itself has that sort of already like predisposed negative connotation mm-hmm. where what if it was increased visibility of brain health and this might be incredibly radical but mm-hmm. it could be taught in schools the same way that phys ed is mental right. you know or brain ed brain education right. making it age appropriate to understand it's okay to not be okay mm-hmm. everybody's a little bit different mm-hmm. and that you know people ought to have this capacity for safe space when things are not okay and to increase that sort of um, outreach that at a young age, kids can go, okay, I'm recognizing this. I'm feeling this. It's okay to feel mm-hmm. this. Not having any of that shame language and blame language that is perpetuated where people can utilize these opportunities and we can increase that to, you know, smash that stigma as we have been with many other facets mm-hmm. of life that had undergone these years of um, this oppressive shame and judgment, and mm-hmm. why not add mental health to that as well? Mm-hmm. Right. So even the idea is, what is okay? You know, like, like just questioning, it's okay not to be okay, but whose standards? You know, like I think there, I think the laws of the land are, are nice to follow and maybe do no harm, but other than that, I think. If my actions are not infringing on any anyone else's, like isn't it okay just to be whoever I am? You know, is that okay? You know, is that absolutely? Yeah. There are times where okay, so in my in my recovery journey this time around, I'm I'm really embracing like it's not illegal to be happy, right? And I or sad. Exactly. Yeah. So say if I'm somewhere and uh, there are times where I get like this background fear of, all right, I like to listen to my music. I love to dance. It makes me feel happy. It also helps me manage my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I will dance walking down the street. I'll dance in the grocery store mm-hmm. with my with my earbuds on and it helps me manage um, being out in the populace. Right. And there are times where I'm just like, I really pray that I will not get flagged down by a cop and mm-hmm. they'll try to like, right. you know, not to say that there's anything wrong right. by the police. But at the same time, it's like there's nothing illegal about being right. happy and there's nothing illegal about being sad. Like, why can't I cry in the corner of the bus, just have my feelings right. and then go about my day? And why there's nothing illegal of dancing in the store. <laughs> like, why can't like, but we, we, you know, there's something more uncomfortable is it more uncomfortable to see someone dancing in the store or just stumbling down drunk uh the soup aisle you know so that right and even then if somebody's stumbling down drunk down the soup aisle why have that judgment we don't you know nobody knows what somebody's going through and if somebody's stumbling down drunk down a soup aisle 
it's not going to kill you. You're not going to lose a leg. Right. There's not a magical like specter that's going to be like if you talk to them. Right. I will take off your leg. Like why not have that? You know, I see you. I can try to get you towards help. That person is a human too, and they just need a little bit of love and care. And mm-hmm. that one act of kindness. And one act of radical kindness can change somebody's life. Right. And then walk a mile in my shoes, right? So <laughs> how many people experience traumatic experiences in, in a lifetime? You know, like everyone's one trauma away from having mental health issues, right? So oh. that that's exactly it. Um, I believe that there could also be an increased visibility of... Um, you know, there's this huge, like, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. You have to be okay. You have to be put together. Good vibes only. Mm. Increasing that um, awareness and compassionate understanding that somebody might have to talk about something pretty deep. Mm -hmm. And we, we all go through something and to not smush it down, to just try to have that that um that face with a smile when behind right. it you're actually dying right. literally right. dying so where does this whistleblower activity come in tracy like so you're saying it's okay not to be okay and people like we need people to understand that and then you become a whistleblower i think they're connected right is that oh absolutely yeah. so i i'm very good at uh I'm very good at being a cheerleader for the world, but not myself. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. I think we all are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, uh, I had a really bad, um, had a really bad rough patch, and trigger warning. I, I attempted to take my life on the second mm-hmm. of November, um, 2022. A lot of things came to a head, and it, it was about that time where I began to actually really talk to some people about. Um, not really being as okay as I'm appearing yeah. to be. Yeah. And I wasn't I wasn't really because of everything that I've gone through, a lot of the shame, a lot of the stigma after losing mm-hmm. people trying to be honest and reach out for help or people right. being in denial, just sloughing it off. I um I ended up slipping through the cracks and almost took a permanent solution mm-hmm. to very temporary problems, yeah. very very, uh, you know, it's going to take the rest of my life to work through these issues one day at a time, but that's fine. Um, well, thank you for taking, for not taking <laughs> your, your life and for being here, you know. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of strength and wisdom, so thank you. Thank you. So. Yeah, I had to make that choice, It was, and everything was coming in the, everything was, um, everything was just trying to prevent me from doing that, and I truly do feel now that I have a, a purpose. I feel that everybody here has a has a purpose and um, somebody doesn't have to necessarily be religious, but I am somebody that's incredibly spiritual and mm-hmm. I do believe that everybody here, even even on a scientific level, in in the way of the universe, we're all a piece of that giant cosmic evolution mm-hmm. to do the next right thing for the better advancement towards the future and this ongoing process. I was one choice away from taking that permanent solution right. when yeah. the um, when the police were at my door, and that was when I said I surrender. Yeah. And subsequently, um, I went to a uh, a psychiatric center, mm-hmm. 
And when I was there, it was, um, it was honestly, it was like I didn't survive just to be greeted with every awful nuance that I had witnessed just to not say something. And I feel like that's part of the journey. That was part of my purpose. Um, So you went to get help. They they brought you to a place where you thought you would get care and it didn't go too well or? Not at all. I mean, I, I take every, I'm very good at looking at the silver linings of everything and Mm -hmm. it, it, it did work out for the better. But it was it was terrifying. There was no beds, filthy floors, people mm. sleeping on floors, people putting chairs together to make makeshift beds, food left out for over mm. 12 hours, people being denied uh, care for broken limbs, mm. broken extremities, people being denied. A man that was neglected, that uh, they didn't care for him until it, it became fatalistic. Mm-hmm. And that, that really opened my eyes to understand how far down the cracks the world had slipped and having that excuse of Mm post-COVID. And I was not put on this earth to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) So so you were in dire need and you saw these atrocities. In your struggle, this was happening. And you were in a place with your fellow brothers and sisters, I guess, Mm -hmm. and... Where's your voice? Where, like, that's... So where do we find that voice when we're in such dire straits? It's about understanding that um, your voice has so much potential. And although it's super scary, legally, there's nothing an institution can do. What Mm -hmm. can they do? You know, there's nothing. And it's one of those... What do you mean can do? If you speak up about something like that, there's nothing that they, they can't harm you. Right. They're, yeah. they're, you know, it's not, I would have this saying, um, it's not like they can black bag me and take me out of my house, you right. know? Yeah. That's, that's not. This is America. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even then, many of these, many of our neighboring sister countries, which I've been told in this process of speaking up and activism, it's it's very common, even all the way to the UK and mm-hmm. all, all sorts of places, It's as I've shared my experience. It's about having that, you know what, this is scary, they're a mega giant, sure, compared mm-hmm. to little old me, but little right. old me has a loud roar, and mm-hmm. I was not put here to idly stand by it it was one of those things where you know what it sucked for me being there but what truly scared me was thinking of how it's gonna hurt everybody else and sort of understanding that there are things bigger than just me Mm -hmm. and how many people are deprived of the healing Mm -hmm. that they desperately need by being forced into these situations where their basic needs aren't even met on an ethical level. So here you are, a person in need of psychiatric care or or a mental patient or Mm -hmm. uh, a mental case or whatever, and you're put into a place, and where is your voice? Like, who listens? Like, who listens to the person that is not okay? It's okay not to be okay, but... Like, do these not okay people have a voice? You know, like, like that's, like, where is our voice when we're hurting and suffering? Who listens in that crisis, you know, like, 
So you seem to you seem to say, kabash that people need mm-hmm. to hear. So what did you like? Despite your own struggles in, and in your recovery journey, like I met you at a public forum, you know. So <laughs> so what? How did you take that risk and speak up? Or so it, it, was, it made the news and everything, right? So it was. Um, so I had connected with some very wonderful people when I was there and sort of doing peer work. Mm-hmm. Without um, me, you know, without even realizing that it was a whole field, and it was a, ultimately a peer that had saved my life. But it was a, I had, I had wanted to do something. I was so furious that I had gone there, and been met with just everything awful that I had witnessed. That I had asked other people, like, "Hey, will you join me in this?" Mm-hmm. And they were so scared. I had asked two other fellow participants that were well fellow patients yeah that were there with me at the time and they were said i just want to repress it and i said well that's part of the that's part of the problem (laughs) (laughs) stuffing it down right exactly it is hard and it's hard to go against something you're so used to and this whole global societal reinforcement to just shove it down shove it down Mm. let it go well the thing is is not everything can just easily be let it go. It's got to go, go through a process of unpacking. And to it, what really did it was I, I just understood that I couldn't just let people continuously to suffer like that. It, the, so you I, couldn't just say, this was terrible, I'm moving on. You couldn't... Right, because like, there's was, no moving on from something like that yeah, without okay. without just you're gonna stuff it down and defunct right. or you can talk about it process it get through it make change even though it's contrary to what all of my life processes and perpetual societal processes are so Tracy so you're in crisis and it seems like you rise above that and you're seeing clarity in saying what I'm experiencing is not right like this is not this is wrong it's not okay but it should this is not the way things should be and you're attentive enough to realize that you know despite your not okay mind right is mm-hmm. that like so that seems like a divine power or something <laughs> like this isn't a religious show but right uh, yeah. so. that really that that let me that 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 nails it on the head that i uh that i i have this saying because I like to do a lot of creative writing, a lot of creative thinking. Upon my lowest point, I've reached my higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And that that's really what it was, is that throughout my whole life, I was always chastised for having a big mouth and, mm-hmm. you know, being honest and telling the truth mm-hmm. and the contrary of those of whom it would impact due to the wrongdoings that they've done or things that, you know, would rather be swept under the rug. Well, the thing is... I was not put here to be so silent, so small. I, I truthfully feel that I was put here to do something good. As we all are, I truly feel that, that everybody has a capacity for greatness. And I didn't survive. I didn't make that one choice. Mm-hmm. That one choice just so I can allow other people to suffer and continue mm-hmm. to suffer and potentially, you know, 
have lives lost because they're so traumatized going into a place that is supposed to be for healing and rehabilitation Mm -hmm. and be met with more trauma Mm -hmm. than they had um, experienced before they had gotten there. And that was really what it was, was, and it was that divine clarity of, I didn't live just to not say something because there are other people that are going to be released from that institution Mm -hmm. or have been released from that institution that are, have been returned into, again, this isn't a religious um, Mm -hmm. podcast, but have been returned to the hands of the creator, their energies returned Mm -hmm. to the universe because of dysfunctional and unethical treatment. Mm -hmm. So since then, have things changed? From, you know, well, I had a, by uh, by the will of the creator, yeah. <laughs> by powers that be, by coping tools, by beautiful community members such as yourself that mm-hmm. extend the beautiful hand of love and fellowship. Um, I have not been to that institution right. from what I've heard from other people that have been to this particular institution. They have at least put in a couple more cots. Okay. Not a bunch right. of beds yet, yeah. but cots, and there have been some changes that have been made, and which does lighten my heart, but at the same time, I still have that, I wouldn't say cynicism, but I'm not going to sit there and think, oh, it's all sunshine and butterflies now, I did my part, like it's going to be a constant process because... Vigilance. Exactly, I have to remain vigilant because if an institution can get away with it, they will. Right, so what I'm thinking, yes, I know, so, but in my recovery, I had to be vigilant and attending to my needs and i guess you're saying is that we need to be vigilant to the the entities that are trying to address our needs too like so we have to be the keepers of our keepers sort of you know absolutely holding institutions accountable yeah and for our sake for our lives yeah our lives depend on it so our lives depend on people like you speaking up Right. Yeah, 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 and it's and that's the thing is, um, it's not just me. And I, I told these friends that I'd reached out to. Um, it's okay. I will if I'm the lone idiot on the mountain right. screaming. I will be that lone person right. because to me the that act of trying to save at least one life from you know mm-hmm. just trying at least the act of trying made made my heart feel better that at least I know that I had the the right intentions to try to do some good. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I I honestly I'd reached out and I had almost, you know, I I'd almost given up um not really given up hope, but I just I just let it go. I couldn't throw myself under the waves of worry that I tried to reach out to a couple of news outlets mm-hmm. and hadn't heard anything for a while until I did. Yeah. And then from there as well, I, um, I did like independent little flyers that I put around town, increasing awareness, you know, trying to get people to speak up in little places like, uh, the little sign, the, the light posts, in uh, different department store parking mm-hmm. lots or strategically using different bus stop locations. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it wasn't just um, 
it wasn't just increasing awareness and advocacy for people to speak up and use a QR code for, against institutions that had um, that had traumatized them more than they had before going in there. I began to also do suicide prevention mm-hmm. and suicide awareness yeah. and create that more community awareness of the different tools that have helped me stay alive to hopefully help somebody else. And if it's just one person, even if I don't see them, even if I don't get to shake their hand, even if I don't get a thank you, just to know that I tried. Right. So in your action, did you find out that you were all alone or that there were others out there? There were others. Um, there were others, there's certainly others. And that's part of the reason why I had raised my voice. Cause I knew I wasn't the only right, one. Right. And I knew that there, there, there's somebody out there in the future that would need what I would have to say so they could feel emboldened to validated. have, yeah, yeah. validate Absolutely. Yeah. That they have a right, no matter how scary it is. It's super scary. Yeah. But at the same time, you are a beautiful human about like there's no wealth on this planet that could ever measure to how precious a human life is. So just to follow up, have you had any negative consequences that you know of for raising your voice? To be honest, uh, not really. Um, I mean, I'm in my own recovery journey and things are a little difficult, but at the same time, I feel as though that me raising my voice has created so much bounty. It's super scary. And, um, instead of being my own enemy, it was just like, you know what, I'm going to be my own best friend and I can walk alongside with myself and my spirituality and whatever may come will come. Um, any consequences that I faced in my life are... Not necessarily from speaking up, but it's just different things along my recovery journey that I'm just, you know, just different obstacles. And yeah. if there is anything negative to come about it, well, I I believe thoroughly that rejection is uh, is God's protection. And oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, rejection is God's protection. And if something doesn't work out now, if there's big no's, if there's doors slamming in my face... That's fine. Something better will come right. along. It's not It's not over. Right. So this has been very interesting, Tracy. If people want to reach out or have any questions, um, they can contact me uh, at this email, m-k-e-l-l-e-y at w-n-y-i-l.org. And just put in the subject matter, Tracy's Whistleblower yes. Podcast. And I will get the information to Tracy. So thank you so much, Tracy. We have been talking to Tracy Dudak in It's Okay to Not Be Okay, her voice as a whistleblower. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you, Maura. <laughs> God bless you. You've been listening to Peers Like Me, a podcast that explores issues related to behavioral health, Sponsored by Western New York Independent Living, Inc., with the assistance of the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Today, our guest has been Tracy Dudak, a certified peer advocate as well as a whistleblower from Buffalo. Our host has been Maura Kelly. <laughs>